Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to episode 17 of Culture Fear. Um, nice to have you listening. Hope you're well. Um, yeah, it's been a month since I last spoke to you. Not too much has been happening in my life. Um, recently booked a holiday in the summer to Cuba. If you've ever been, please send me some recommendations. It's kind of like um, a dream to go, so I'm like super 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 excited and just trying to get as many recommendations from people that have come uh that have gone sorry as possible um to try and make the most out of the whole time um otherwise at uni i've chosen my modules for next year everything's kind of kicking off now um two modules i'm doing at the moment one of them super interesting the other one is kind of uh probably not best for me but there you go it's fine um yeah, apart from that, oh, I went um, to a Q&A with um, one of my favourite footballers ever, the um, former West Ham centre-back, uh, the ginger Pele, James Collins. That was super fun, um, really interesting, pretty different from stuff I normally do. Maybe one day I'll do a football-themed podcast called Culture Foot, or Cultured Foot, maybe that'll work better. But yeah, anyway... Um, so last month I spent a weekend in Bristol myself and my partner Kate went down um, which was really nice we stayed with um, our friends Kay and Andrew Um, Kay is who I talked to for this podcast Um, was just like super excited Uh, probably like a few months in advance of like talking to Kay and it was really really interesting especially because I hadn't known too much about Kay's story really so it was nice to learn it as I was listening to some of it where some of them I'm like right you're my best friend and I want to talk to you about this thing that like you did where obviously it was a little bit different um you know so I did want to talk about the label and I did want to talk about the record shop which I did but there was also a lot of other stuff and that was like really cool um, but yeah, had a really nice weekend in Bristol. We talk about it a little bit. We went to see um, a band called Slag Heap, um, who have a EP out called Spunky as Hell. Um, the EP was just recorded on an iPhone in their practice room. Um, they got a record coming out soon. I'm told they were re- they were incredible. Um, best band I've seen this year, um, which is pretty early on. But yeah, really good stuff. Um, yeah, um, if you're ever in Bristol, I'd recommend going down to Specialist Subject Records, the record shop. I picked up uh, Tony Molina, Crudos and Crisis LPs and the Warthog 7-inch. Um, there's loads of really cool stuff there. I'd recommend, yeah, I'd really, I'd say go down there. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's it really. Um, you're about to hear my conversation with Kay. Before I do that, I just want to say... Um, this has been produced by Liam, um, a good friend of mine, Does p- puts all of these together 
Um, if you need anything like that, whether it's advice or any work on any recordings you've done, um, you have a band in London, you need someone to record a record for you, anything really, check him out. He's at Liam C Audio on Twitter. He does so much for this podcast um, where he doesn't have to, he has no obligation to, um, and you know, he doesn't get paid. Obviously, no one, no one gets paid. Um, yeah. I just want to say thanks because there's not really much else I can do. But um, my sincere thanks. And also want to say a big shout out to Stephen Hill, who you can find, um, Stephen Hill Graphics. He Every month he um, makes the logo f- um, for each episode. Amazing guy, plays in a band called Slow Light, who are brilliant kind of post-hardcore stuff. Um, well worth checking out. But yeah, that's it really. Um, look after yourself tell your friends about the podcast if you think they'll enjoy it tell your friends you love them because they will enjoy that or maybe they'll feel a bit ashamed uh, please don't say that you like me um, sometimes everyone feels like that but no um, have a nice month take care of yourself hope you enjoy the podcast get in touch if you want to cool bye hello how hello. you doing uh, yeah good thank you Good, good. Um, thank you for having me in your um, in your house. Anytime. It's been nice having you. Cool. Um, yeah, how are you? What, you? what have you been up to recently? Uh, what I've been up to recently, uh, last night we took you and Kate to see Bristol's premier band Slag Heap, uh, <laughs> yeah. Rough Trade. Um, uh, what else have we done? We have just been in the shop doing label stuff. Um we went to the Chinese New Year celebrations today at the supermarket down the road. Um, I'd like to say it's always like this in Bristol, but I feel like you've come on a good weekend where there's like actually stuff going on we can take you to. So that's good. Nice, nice. Um, so is, um, yeah, how does, so you said like done been doing quite a bit of label stuff with the record shop. Mm-hmm. Is the label and the record shop, is that, one and the same, especially subject being obviously the record label and shop. Yeah, pretty much. It's the the kind of shop was a, a kind of accidental arm that we found ourselves going into. It was, um, so Andrew started the label uh, 10 years ago and as he was like putting out releases, it was just like a naturally you do like trades with other labels and yeah. he'd never like really buy in anything, but you'd just do like trades with other UK labels or when bangers were on tour in Europe, he'd like trade with stuff. And then I guess it kind of went from that. It was like, oh, well, why don't we buy in a bunch of like side one dummy releases or get a bunch of stuff from uh, as we like started looking into distribution for the label, you then kind of buy in bits and pieces and the distro just kind of got bigger and bigger and uh yeah the the shop is just like a really accidental over the top became (laughs) basically the same size as the label just alongside it yeah yeah okay amazing um i guess um we should probably go back before we we (laughs) dive right in with um with the label stuff and everything Mm -hmm. but um yeah so so whereabouts did you did you grow up uh, I grew up in Wolverhampton in the West Midlands. Uh, all my family still live there. So, yeah. yeah, I was very much born and bred. But I lost the accent. I don't really know where that happened. <laughs> <laughs> At some point. I'm sure that they'll... Um, was it just going back to a family uh, party and they were like, oh, you've lost the accent? You're like, oh, maybe I have actually. Yeah, I think it was like I went to university in Falmouth and I think when you're like 19 and you go off to university, you become very aware of like 
other people from around the like country or living in like the same place and Falmouth was like when I was there it was quite posh there was like quite a lot of people who'd been to like private school there and boarding school and uh I was very much Wolverhampton went to a crap comprehensive and uh felt very out of my depth and I think it like slowly the longer that I was in Falmouth it kind of went into just like a general lost uh lost it and then just not living in the midlands for like, and being with andrew i guess for the last 10 years it's like not being around the accent all the time it yeah, just slowly yeah. like went i kind of i can't even do an impression of it anymore that's the most upsetting <laughs> thing i can't even like yeah do it on purpose yeah um yeah i guess that's kind of um similar um like john who was on um episode three john bear like he's not from Wolverhampton. We've uh, we've yeah. we've worked out, but he's from <laughs> around there. I feel like he's he's lost his accent as well. Maybe it's uh maybe it's an easy one to to lose when you go a bit south. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, but then you meet people like Helen is like full on like Durham accent. Like being down in in Bristol for this time, it's like I don't. I think people are like. I I wonder if it's uh you're so worried about like fitting in. You kind of taking what other people are doing and how other people are talking and like I have friends who even went to like Falmouth Uni who are from like the Midlands from like Birmingham and they're yeah. still like three years in still had like a really strong accent I like I don't know yeah yeah I, don't I mean know what I, it says about me yeah I know like I dull my voice and uh, like the things I say and stuff yeah um to, like especially having moved to Sheffield now I'm like, why would I use that word when, like, maybe the people wouldn't know what it kind of meant? <laughs> yeah. And then you pick up certain words. And I know that Kate is forever telling me that she, like, dolls her, like, um, northeast um, accent to, like, so I, so people yeah. and myself can understand it. Sometimes it, like, it shows me up at, like, the most unexpected points. Like, Andrew used to laugh that I'd call, like, a roundabout an island. And it's, like, little things <laughs> give it away every now and again. <laughs> Yeah, and your love of Jasper Carrot. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how was so? Is Wolverhampton? So, was everyone kind of from Wolverhampton then, like growing up, or? Yeah, like Wolverhampton's not really a place that you move to. It's somewhere that you like try and move out of. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I was trying to. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was wondering if it like reflects uh, my kind of upbringing anyway. But it was like. It wasn't a city until I was like a late teenager. It was like a really big town, but it doesn't have like a cathedral or anything. So it wasn't like a classic city. So you're in this like massive town that is now a city, um, which is like a very diverse um place but it was always kind of in the shadow of like Birmingham being like the biggest city uh like half an hour away and that was like when we were at school we'd get like the tram or the train over to Birmingham because that was like more exciting so Wolverhampton was like it's huge but it was always something that like felt in the shadow of other things yeah okay yeah yeah um so what was what were you and your friends like at school? What was, what was, where did you fall into? Uh, so when I was like, say like 13, 14, I really liked like Bewitched and Boyzone and going to school discos and uh, just like pop music. Like 
I grew up with pop music, listening to like commercial radio, and my parents were really into uh, like Northern Soul and Motown oh, when um, they were teenagers. But so we had like a stack of records, and they weren't really like precious about their record collection or whatever. So like when I was like a toddler, I would like put on records and like just explore listening to like what they had, whether it was like. Uh, Jane Fonda keep fit soundtrack or it was like a classical record I think they had like the Swan Lake score and yeah. and then they'd had all these like Motown records and then they had like the most punk thing was that they had uh, the Stranglers greatest hits okay. so when I was like first kind of trying to find my place in like alternative music or whatever like that was like my connection like I had that so that was like my, my kind of starting point uh and then I remember I borrowed uh Edinburgh of the State from a friend at school on CD and uh my brother put it onto like mini disc for me <laughs> and uh I think for my 14th birthday he bought my brother got me my brother's like not into punk at all he's like yeah. just commercial music and um just like not are all interested but he is really interested in music um just popular music just i guess yeah not just, subcultures yeah. uh and he got me uh there was like a compilation at the time which was like called reloaded okay and i think it was reloaded too and it was basically like broad grebo like alternative yeah, music yeah, yeah. it had like ash and feeder it had blink 182 it had um queens of the stone age it was like and i just used to listen to that like i know some of the songs like some songs from some specific bands so well just because of that compilation but i've never listened to any yeah, else that they do yeah. and, um so i think that was kind of my turning point at like 14 15 to being like okay i want to know more bands like this i like stuff like that um were yeah. your friends going down the same way as well? No, not really at all. Like, um, there was like a girl that lived three doors down from me and her parents still live there. Uh, and she was like a Grebo and hung out with Grebos at school. But she was like four, yeah, three or four years older than okay. me. Um, so when I went into secondary school, all the people that I knew who liked alternative music were all like three, four years older than me. And no one in my year was really into it. And then... My oldest friend growing up, she went to a different secondary school to me and um, she's not into like alternative culture at all. She's like, um, was just into like pop music. Um, but some of her friends were into like alternative music. So we kind of like formed groups of friends from our own schools all hung out with each other and we'd go to like house parties and she went to like a grammar school so to me they were all like so rich and we'd go to these yeah. house parties at these like <laughs> yeah. amazing houses that I'd never seen before um and I yeah so kind of that and then I had like a little group of friends when I kind of got into sixth form we like started going to gigs and things in in Wolverhampton so yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I I remember um like when I'd buy like Kerrang or like Enemy, th mm. there'd always be like tours where every now and again there'd be like I guess the Midland show would be in Wolverhampton. Yeah, it was like a really good circuit. Um, it was a strange thing like thinking about it now. Like I had no concept of DIY at all until 
like the last year of being at university. Yeah. I like was completely oblivious to it because Wolverhampton was like it's got three venues. It had three venues, um, all different sizes. So you had like the Civic, which is like the biggest venue where you'd go see uh Sum 41 and Real Big Fish. And then there was the Wolfren, which was like the middle size, um, where I saw Lagwagon and uh like smaller bat like not you know that kind of band yeah, yeah. and then there was the little civic which i guess is like the same as like maybe like 200 cap uh kind of like a smaller venue but all three were council owned okay so um it was always like there was security on the doors um it was all all kind of like a council thing which so it was on a circuit but it wasn't like a diy circuit at all it was all like the council did it all yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild that that was facilitated by. Yeah. Did that mean that, um, like, it was like you could go in when you were younger as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, so there was like, um, when I was like 15, 16, I kind of had this, like, I guess it was like a dual life. Um, there were like people that I used to go uptown with drinking, <laughs> and I used to wear like heels and, uh like get really dressed up for, for to be like desperate to look older and like get served and, yeah. and like you know get through the night without being id'd but then another night of the week i'd be going to the little civic to go to a gig um and i was like 16 and i'd wear just like skate shoes and massive trousers and uh it was like definitely more me but i didn't drink at those and i didn't put two and two together of like oh you can drink at a gig because i saw them as very separate things yeah yeah i always remember um growing up like i never drank at gigs when yeah. i was like too young i was just like it's especially the places that were over 18 mm. i was like i'm lucky enough that i've got in here i don't <laughs> yeah. want to put their license at risk like that would be really <laughs> really bad um and obviously and like also I, I didn't really feel the need to drink when watching a band like yeah. it never really like crossed my mind that it would enhance the night yeah and, yeah and actually does it it's like <laughs> i wish i you know it's absolutely fine not to drink at gigs and i feel like you take in more when you're not drinking and yeah for sure definitely it's a, yeah how many gigs have i like missed because i've been too preoccupied yeah jumping outside in that 15 minutes to grab a drink yeah then, um yeah, so so yeah, there was like bands coming through. Did you uh, were you picking up an instrument at this point? No, no, not at all. I didn't like. Um, I like tried. I'd like borrow a friend's older brother's guitar, and it would like sit in my room, and I'd like try and do a power. I didn't know what power chords were, so I'd like try and do a chord. Couldn't do it. My hand hurt. I'd put it down. I wouldn't touch it for like three months, and I just like couldn't um, do stuff like that. But. I did latch on to uh, like local support, and if I found a like local support band um, who were like the same age as me, um, if I then saw them doing like play opening for like another band, I would just go to that gig. So yeah. I did. I definitely got into this idea of like you don't have to know who the headliner is. I never knew who the headliner was, yeah. um, but if I saw like a local band or two that I knew I would be like, well, you have to go to that. That's just like a normal thing to do. Yeah. 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 Amazing. And, um, so you said your parents and your like brother and that weren't necessarily like fast. How are they like, especially when they were seeing this, these, these two versions of like, you going out for evenings? Uh, yeah. So my dad always went out on a Thursday. So Thursday night in Wolverhampton was like 
the two student pubs. Uh, one was uh, pound a pint for like anything, and the other one was pound for a vodka Red Bull, or they did like five pound bottles of wine. Wow! And you used to go from one to the other, and and then maybe you'd go down the road to Planet, which was like the rock club, uh, at the end of the night. But my dad used to go out with his like mates. It was like a kind of tradition that him and his friend from school would go out every Thursday night for a drink. <laughs> and the first few times when I was like 16 and I like started going out, um, my, I'd meet my dad at the bus stop to get the bus home with him. Oh, okay. And then me and it was like a few of my friends all going to the same area. And after a while, my dad started getting an earlier bus to avoid me because it was like <laughs> it wasn't really thought of like a safety thing. It was like I really just can't be bothered to like see my daughter and her friends all like drunk and having to like go back with like get the bus home with them so they were like they knew what I was doing but and they kind of knew who I was hanging out with and and knew things but like they kind of just let me get on with it really yeah yeah nice um how are those rock clubs <laughs> good yeah yeah like uh pl like planet is like a real like stalwart of Wolverhampton it's like it's gone through like at there was like at the height of it I was going like three times a week to this <laughs> rock club and there's like two floors and one is like the top floor was like pop punk which I was really into yeah. uh, and then we play like Scar and um, that and then you'd go downstairs and it would be like metal music and so like you'd have all these people kind of split to two floors uh but then different nights, sometimes the floors would change over or there'd be like a different theme. And it was that thing of like, you had to go because if you didn't go, you might miss the one night where like something really cool happens, which like, yeah, we went out a lot. And then on Fridays, I'd go to Light Bar, which is like an indie club. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'd go out like Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday to Planet and then Friday I'd go to Light Bar. Yeah, and I guess um, that must play back into those songs that you know, like one song from a band. Yeah, you know, like definitely. It's like it's a very like also like being in Wolverhampton was in the heyday of Kerrang. It when it was like a radio station that was like just an FM radio station in Birmingham. So everybody had it on in their car. Everybody had it like you'd go around parents' houses and it would just be like playing in the kitchen. And then you'd go to Planet and they'd play that song and everyone would know every word yeah. to it. And then when Andrews first started coming out in Wolverhampton, he he just saw it as like this weird bubble of like everyone knows these songs that like outside you don't know what this song is. They became like kind of anthems of just this club. and Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember, um, and I was a bit younger, so like I would... I was like, how oh, do you know all the... Um, but um, there was one in Kingston, New Noise. Well, still going, yeah. actually. But um, Up Against the Wall was a song. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know who that's by. Um, and um, what was the other one? Um, there was a Say Anything song they, they always played. Yeah. Uh, like, I called her on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bad when you listen to it. <laughs> yeah. I took Morgan there, like, a few years ago, and they were still playing the same songs. And I was, like, singing along to that song, and she was like, what is he saying? I was like, oh, I've never really thought of that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just wild that like um you do go to places in certain like you go, you know, oh, we'll go to this like um I remember I went to Limerick and they've got this like rock bar. Yeah. And like downstairs is indie and it's like all the indies from the mid two thousands. So upstairs is like new metal and 
like just the rock and yeah. it's just like the same music from that era like they don't throw in anything like contemporary no it's just wild like that at one point they were playing those songs as the songs were coming out yeah why didn't they carry on yeah and it is funny when you when it's like what do you have to do to get an, for a new song to get into that like playlist almost yeah. it's like this yeah, it's a funny, funny play. And I do miss, like, having nights out like that and, and doing stuff like that. And when I went with Morgan, like, it was probably, like, five years ago, um, I saw someone, I saw two people that I went to school with there. Yeah. And, like, one of them, like, travels from Birmingham every week to go there because it's, like, <laughs> where his people are. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, for some people, it's really, like, stayed with them. Yeah, and especially, like, um, that's kind of how people, like... Um met people you know yeah like before like the internet I guess, mm. or like or even like even better was i guess where the internet was part of it so you'd find each other on myspace oh, or God, on a forum yeah. and then you'd put up like 50 <laughs> photos of like going out in planet the night before yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was and it was funny like when i was like started going to gigs at like 16 like i think i went to planet once before I was 18, but after I was 18, I'd, I'd go, like, every week. But when I was, like, 16, 17, and I was going to the Little Civic and I was going and seeing all these local bands, when we all started going out at, like, 18, 19, uh, like, I was then hanging out with the people who were in these opening bands that I, like, didn't... I knew them to, like, recognise them, but I wasn't friends with them. Yeah. And then when we were, like, 18, 19 and, and going out, like, every week with the same people that's when I became like friends with these people and it's a yeah it kind of I remember being in like a bar and being uh introduced to one of them and then being like oh we've like known each other since we were like since you were 15 and I was 16 and yeah but then yeah it's like it when you're that age it feels like it was so long ago and now I'm like that's really like not that long between yeah yeah seeing them but just like seeing them on like a different level as like my friend rather than someone in a band. Yeah, because I think that, um, I think it's easy to forget, like when you were like 15, 16 going to shows, um, especially, yeah, like you look at the the support bands for shows mm. and they were like proper bands. Yeah. Like as well as where obviously you get a bit older and you realise like, no, they weren't really. Mm. Like even the one that was on tour with the American band was still like just taking a week off of work. But like yeah. the local ones were especially just like the ones that were around and playing the shows at the yeah. time. But the people watching it, especially like, yeah, the people watching those bands, like if you're young, especially if you're seeing those gateway bands i guess yeah and you're seeing those bands that are opening for them that are local you still look at them like they're in the band yeah and it's really funny as well like the people that uh so i'm not really friends with really anyone that i was when i was at school or at college or really at university and most of my friends that i've like friendships that i've maintained over the last like 10 years have been because of like the diy punk scene but there's an odd few people in there that were also in this like weird scene of when I was like 16, 17 and playing in bands then. And they also like found themselves in this DIY scene like years later. <laughs> so like um, Bob Barrett was playing drums in this ska band called Grown At Home. And I used to go see them all the time yeah. because uh, a friend was like seeing the bassist in that band. So it was like, you know, Grown At Home were playing a gig, I'd go to it. 
So I met Bob Barrett when I was like a teenager, but then ended up like doing the Great Cynics record with him and yeah. like kind of re-meeting him like later on being like, oh, you're that person. And the other person is um, Luke who uh, started like awesome merchandise. Okay. Like he was in a like snotty punk band called Firefly from Warsaw. And I can remember like, I'd go and see his band play. I didn't know who he was, but I yeah, just, yeah. you know, I saw him once. I saw it was like teenagers and then it kind of like, okay, well, if you see that they're playing, we'll like go and see them. And I can remember him like, I can remember being at their last show because he was like leaving to go to Leeds University. So it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. really weird that these people are still kind of there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they yeah, haven't just yeah. disappeared. Yeah, that's amazing. And then when you got to Falmouth, was, was it like... I need to find the rock shows and like find my people or was it like let's just see what happened like what how was that I, I feel like I was so lost at that point like I um I was so happy in like Wolverhampton we had such a like nice community of like friends I had like a big friendship group um that was like very social we'd like go to lots of gigs we'd um go out a lot and going to Falmouth was like all of those friendships suddenly I was like leaving it yeah. and I found it really difficult and I found it really hard to make friends and I just kind of like weirdly just like tagged on with like anything. I, um, I'd go and like watch like Mr. Scruff or Pendulum or, yeah. and I didn't really know myself or, um, like have any friendships until I like got into my sec. like I had like a little group of friends, um, and we just like go around and like watch TV until like two in the morning and didn't really like, I don't know, we were just in this little group. Uh, and it wasn't until I was in my final, final year of uni or maybe it was the second year of uni, um, I a mutual friend invited me to um, a house show. And I didn't know what a house show was. And um, he was like, well, I'm like, going around the house early so do you like just want to come round and I walked into the back garden and it was Ruin Hamish's house and they were <laughs> listening to short music for short people and I was like I know what this is and it was almost like a kind of flash of I haven't heard or spoke or had anything to do with this for like three years and then all of a sudden these people are here and it was like Magnus Magnuson were playing at their house and wow. uh I like didn't speak to Andrew all night or like but it was like I kind of thought like oh there's like people who like this thing and I can get in on this and yeah. I like so yeah I was like so late to it and yeah <laughs> well, well, but, but then like it's like late to it but like how do you know unless you know it's like it's, yeah it's, it's very difficult to find those things yeah definitely um uh, yeah and then it was like uh Andrew moved down to Falmouth and this is like way before we like got together or anything, but he was like uh, putting on gigs or putting on house party, like house shows and stuff. And it just kind of blew open this thing of like, oh, you can just do this. Like, how yeah. do you just do this? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got him to thank for that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and then um, did you stick around Falmouth then once you finished? You? Uh, no, I moved back to my parents when I graduated um I started so I did a uh, textile design at uni and I specialized in printed textiles 
and I kind of and I was like screen printing like huge pieces of fabric with like repeat patterns and multiple colors on like screens like bigger than me with all this like ridiculous equipment and I kind of got home and got back to my parents and I was like oh and also it was like 2008 so it was like the economy just completely crashed yeah. every single um like graduate scheme was like taken away and we like my entire year of graduates <laughs> my entire year of like graduates were just kind of like oh crap like what do we do um so I moved back in with my parents and went out a lot like refound like my friends and yeah. uh like got drunk a lot and I was like well I don't have any like transferable skills I don't know what to do so I like went on the dole and uh, just kind of didn't really know what to do and I bought a book on uh, DIY screen printing and I kind of read it and I was like oh I can like do this myself so me and my dad built a printing press and I like took over my parents garage <laughs> and started just like screen printing t-shirts and then like so me and Andrew got together like kind of six months later and after that because like Andrew was like bangers were just starting up around the same time I like printed some t-shirts for bangers and then because of that I started printing t-shirts for like other bands because it's kind of how that worked just like word yeah, of mouth yeah. like getting um t-shirts printed and yeah I kind of did that for like a year just like printing t-shirts in my parents garage and getting drunk and uh spending weekends like getting the train or going to like wherever like bangers were playing that weekend and uh hanging out with them and like yeah that was like the start of me and Andrew getting together as well yeah 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 cool because um I remember the first time I would have spoken to you I think would have been for t-shirts yeah and then um I think you were living in Birmingham at the time yeah so was that like get a grip that that would have been it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so that was like a year later um so I was doing all this stuff at home and I kind of started this like little business and it was like t-shirts that I designed or I got people to like design things and I would print them and I was looking for like and I did like home like handmade jewelry and just like bits and pieces and uh I started kind of exploring uh like shop stocking my stuff and yeah. just kind of like finding my feet and I found this shop in the custard factory in Birmingham and it was called Moldy Loaf and I messaged the page on MySpace and I was like, uh, how do you think about like stocking my stuff? And this guy called Neil uh, messaged me back and he was like, oh no, I'm just like concentrating on my own thing. I've got like my own t-shirt brand going on. Um, and this is like just before running like a t-shirt brand was like a thing. Okay, it was yeah. like... It was, I think it was just where like lots of people were just starting to do this yeah. thing. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, like whatever. Like I didn't really, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that didn't work out. Uh, and then a few days later, he messaged me out on the, like out of the blue on MySpace and was like, um, do you want to share my shop? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? So me and Angie went over to Birmingham for the day and we like went to the shop and I met Neil for the first time and uh, was just like, yeah, okay. So I just took on half a shop. We like manned it between us like half the week each. Oh. And um, 
had all my stuff in there and yeah so that was like a weird time just like ran a shop but with none of the setup none of the like just kind of like landed in that and then it was through that that I met Sam who I like started get a grip with yeah yeah and how long did that go for um it's still going now okay yeah so um it started off that I met Sam because he printed all of Neil's t-shirts and he yeah. had a workshop in in the custard factory so when I was like working in the shop like he'd come in and we'd chat about screen printing and things like that and one of the things was he he was running something that was like um he had all the equipment he had like the space but he didn't really have the customers like he he didn't really have the like reach and I was like talking to all these bands going to all these gigs meeting all these new people and I had like too many much work I like couldn't um print like I couldn't do enough I just had like I was running this shop I was doing my own thing I was still printing t-shirts in like my parents garage um so me and Sam went out for a drink one night, drank lots of beers and were just decided to like start a brand new business from scratch. Um, we'd do it out of his workshop in Birmingham and it started off, it was like just going to be a little thing. I was going to carry on doing my thing. He was going to carry on doing his thing. But for band t-shirts, um, like we were just going to like share the workload between us. Um, and very quickly that took over everything and yeah. like yeah we started doing that and so that was to 2009 I think it was like November 2009 yeah because it was the first we'd not long set up and I went to fest with bangers and it was like my first time going to fest and then I came back and I had viral meningitis and I was like in hospital and I was like really ill for a really long time and it was like right at the start of us starting this like new business. <laughs> it was like yeah. a really weird um fitting. And then I left February 2012. So I did it for like a few years. Yeah. And we like moved, we were in this workshop for ages. It had rats, it had mice, it was like really cold. We would stay there till like two in the morning printing. And um like that's when me and Andrew moved to Birmingham like both moved to Birmingham and and started living together and then we decided to like there was like a bar in the custard factory that hadn't that had been closed for ages and we managed to convince the owner of the custard factory to let us um move all of our equipment into this bar and we opened it as like a shop with like live screen printing so it was like a okay. screen printing studio but it was open it was like glass on two sides and people could walk past and see people printing and we did workshops there and it was like uh so yeah that was like it was like that when I left and then since then Sam's moved it a few different places and him and his partner still run it and they like won an award last year and nice. they've like yeah so they're keeping it like going so did you, when you stopped working there, did you like leave Birmingham or was it just you started doing something else? Um, yeah, we left Birmingham. So I was like really unhappy. Um, turns out like starting a business with a total stranger is like not a good idea <laughs> um, because we just had like totally different views of like what we wanted to do with the business and where we wanted to, it to go in the future. And it's like, it's not that either of us were like, right or wrong or had a better idea than the other person it's like I wanted it to 
to me, it was like, it's hand-pulled, it's, it's like DIY, okay. we're doing it ourselves. It's like, and Sam was like, we can scale this up, we can make this sustainable, we can make this a bigger business, we can um, make like, these, it was always like water-based printing, it was always like pushing it to help bands use like organic cotton and be yeah. more environmentally aware and environmentally friendly and he was like well the more it's like automated the more we can do the more we can like support that and that just after a while we were just like push like you know getting further and further away from yeah like what it was uh so yeah I was like not having a good time at all and uh me and Andrew were in this like tiny little flat it was uh, opposite the rainbow, so there'd be like forty-hour raves going on there, and like people getting shot and stabbed. And uh, when like the Birmingham riots happened, um, that was like it kind of came all down to the custom factory. And um, we were lucky, like we were um, separate. There's like a the custom factory is kind of um, two courtyards of shops. Um, and ours was like you had to get through a shutter to get to our courtyard okay. so we were like safe but like other shops like in one of the courtyards um, all got their windows smashed and, uh. and people, things got taken um yeah it was kind of like my relationship with Birmingham was like all of our friends were kind of through Sam so as me and Sam weren't getting on yeah. it kind of I didn't yeah it just kind of was a bit weird so yeah, we, we kind of, we started talking about like moving out of um, Digbeth in Birmingham and it was like, well, we can move to like a nicer area of Birmingham or like a more uh, suburban area. Um, and then it was like, well, if we're moving that far, we may as well just leave Birmingham completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's when like Exeter came up as somewhere to move to. Yeah, and um, had you already started being part of like specialist subjects? No, not at all. Um, like I kind of... I was only ever part of it in like putting download codes and stuff or like um, with Get a Grip, we would like screen print like loads of things. So yeah. we did the first Cave 7 Inch that was all screen printed by us and we'd do posters for gigs. And um, I guess you would have done the, um, what's that, on Sind, Calvin Ball Yeah, split, like yeah, the, the screen printed. That was like the first time we'd screen printed like a, a record. So yeah, did that. Um, and like a Muncie Girls Revolution Summer screen printed like a run of those. Um, and did like screen printed covers for things. So I was kind of, and did all the t-shirts as well. Yeah. Like, so many bangers t-shirts. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was kind of involved in that way of like, I was kind of, we were part of it in that sense. Um, but I was always very separate to, um, I had my, my own thing going on. Yeah, it was like yeah. enough. And then when we moved to, um, to Exeter, I just got a full-time job at an insurance company and it was like my first ever full-time office job. And I always had like relief of like all pressure was taken out off me. Yeah. Um, I had absolutely no responsibilities other than like turning up to work five days a week and doing that. And it was really nice, like not being self-employed. But after like a year of that, I was like, oh, I don't, I kind of felt like I wasn't really participating in the scene. Like, Exeter's great because it has promoters putting gigs on all the time. It has um, people like loads of bands and it's where in Birmingham I'd like put on gigs and I was screen printing t-shirts for bands. I got into like um, things like uh, getting into like zines and stuff like that. And 
uh, doing like bits of artwork and posters. I, there was only an Exeter where like all the kind of jobs are done and I can pay into gigs, which I still think is like the best way that you can give anything yeah, yeah, to any kind of important. scene. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I don't know, I felt a bit like... I wasn't really participating in like a way that I wanted to. And so I was working full time. I had like more money than I'd ever had in my entire life. I didn't really know what to do with it. Yet at the same time, Andrew was trying to hold down a job and do the label and the label was like growing and he wasn't doing as much as he could. And he was really stressed out. And it got to this like weird tipping point where he was like, I'm just gonna pack it in all together or I need to quit my job and go full time or any I, I just need to like change what I'm doing yeah. drastically because I'm really not having a good time so I was like well I'll just go part-time at work and I'll help you uh three days a week but we realized that we couldn't do that in the house that we were living at it was already like floor to ceiling records <laughs> and just like stuff everywhere and Andrew had been doing it on his own so and everything was just so unorganized and I was like I can't come into it as it is because everything was in Andrew's head he'd like never shared anything with anyone he'd like taken on like all the information everything that he needed to do and there was like no structure to it so that was when we kind of looked to get an office because yeah. it could be like well we're both in this together and uh, so yeah kind of that was when I started so that was do I can't remember. I remember the first record I worked on was Helen Chambers' CD, cool. the album that we did. Yeah. So yeah, that was a few years ago. If now. you need to, you can grab your. Uh, time I didn't write it down. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Like, um, it was a real like symbolic. Right. Right now, I'm. This is this is the two of us. Yeah. Rather yeah. Than, definitely. Like an organic like kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which was nice. And then I'm sure that like having that office was, was nice, especially if flat, it was getting a bit much for Andrew at the time. Yeah, it was really fun. Like, um, the office was above the cavern. So it, we could like, we could go down to lunch at the cavern. We were like very much involved with like the people who worked there. And that's kind of the venue that the scene's kind of around, right? Yeah, very much so, definitely. Um, And bands like Muncie Girls have come out of the the cavern and even like Great Cynics when Giles and Iona were all in um, Exeter all the time. And uh, so we were like working with these bands that were also playing at the cavern and come out growing up. Like Rory, it's how we met Rory, well, no. We knew Rory before, yeah. from a long time before, but, like, he was working at the cavern and um, we became, like, good friends with him. And it was, like, a drop-in centre. Like, people were always in the office, like, coming to say hi. And, like, when Mark from above them, him and his wife were living in Exeter, like, Mark would always, like, pop in and hang out with us. So yeah. it was, like, a it was really nice because we had this space where, and, like, when I first started getting into bands, we would like practice in there. And oh, amazing. Yeah, so it was, it was like super, super fun. And um, yeah, so when you started like being in bands, mm-hmm. like was, was drums the first instrument or? Yeah, so this was, I when I had this full-time job and I had more money than I knew what to do with, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get drum lessons. So yeah. I think I was 26 and I just like, looked on Google for like a drum tutor and it was this guy who, um did like gave lessons in his um shed 
So I'd like drive around and go to have like an hour lesson a week in his shed. And um, yeah, so I like started learning how to play drums through that. And then I would go to like Landy's School of Frock that she used to do okay, in the cabin, yeah. which is like, it's like a one day workshop and you try out learning a bit of drums, a bit of guitar, a bit of bass what you decide that you really like you then focus on for like an afternoon and you learn a song and then you have a meal together and like bands turn up and do sound check and you all have meals together and then there's a gig and the school of rock band is like the opening band and we'll like play what they've learned so i'd been to a couple of those and uh and morgan is landy's sister she had been to like one and started a band from doing that it was like a riot girl band and this woman called Catherine, who was doing a master's in exeter she turned up to one and like it was weird because morgan was helping out i had just popped down to i think i wanted to just do the guitar bit so i just like popped my head in to do the guitar <laughs> bit but like didn't stay couldn't stay around for the whole thing i think it was on like a weekday um and Catherine had a dog with her so she she was working at the cavern and she like popped in to say hello but because the three of us were all in the building at the same time um Landy knew all of us we didn't know each other and Landy had suggested to Morgan like oh why don't you see if Catherine and Kay would be up for like starting a band with you um so Morgan messaged us all and we like met up and started making noises together and that was kind of yeah that's how Young Adventurers started oh amazing (laughs) yeah 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 Oh, that's brilliant. It's, it's That's so cool. Like, um, yeah, because we, I don't know, people, myself included, always, oh, it's a bit late now. Yeah. It's never really, is it? I think it was very funny that it was like, Catherine had written songs, um, been in bands before, like she um, plays, like she's really good at playing piano, so she's played keys in bands before. She can play acoustic guitar and she'd always done like a solo acoustic thing, but she'd never played an electric guitar before and she'd, I don't think she'd ever like led a band with like her okay, yeah, songs and yeah. stuff. And then me and Morgan were pretty much as crap as each other. Like <laughs> we were just there with like full of enthusiasm. Um, so it was really nice because we kind of like learned how to be in a band together. We were all like women in our late twenties. Okay. We all had like full time jobs and long term partners and um, all very much like on the same page and had been involved in like the punk scene for quite a long time, had lots of mutual friends. Um, so yeah, it just kind of like evolved out of that really. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, when, when would that have been? So this was, uh, I guess like 2013. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually written it down. Um, yeah and we we managed to do like quite a lot of stuff we did like a demo and then we did an ep um we never played more than three shows in a row that was like one thing where we were always trying to like do a tour or something that was like our goal and but it just never happened yeah yeah we had our three days but like one was in exeter where i was living like so we like stayed at home that night and then one was in southampton which is where Catherine was living at the time yeah so it's not really a tour (laughs) i don't know i think they're the best ones aren't they where (laughs) you're like cool these are gonna be comfortable yeah these are gonna be uh nice and relaxed shows it was 
like we and it was quite it was really fun because it was like with two people that very much on the same page as and we would just do silly things like we would play gigs where we wrote all our song names and would have them in a hat and would get whoever was like in the audience to like pick out what song we were going to play next and and stuff like that so it was like it was very um like a low pressure and like kind of silly band really well, yeah which is amazing because like you didn't know each other before no. like so to have a band where three people there's not like personality clashes of no. like i want to do this oh that's not really what i want to do it was like yeah and those two are like my closest friends now and like yeah. um and i and it was a weird thing of like before i moved to exeter i'd never really had um like close female friends i'd always been like the tomboy in the group or like the token girl at stuff and i'd have like odd female friends but it was always like one-on-one and then I moved to Exeter and became friends with Iona and Landy and Morgan and Catherine and it's like oh I want to just hang out with girls now <laughs> like yeah. way way better um so yeah we do like me Catherine and Morgan always had like sleepovers together and um yeah it was like friendship more than just like being in a band and having like practices together yeah oh brilliant and then uh, yeah and then that's just like kind of well the friendships carried on and mm. then the band obviously i think you said before like never really stopped but it, you know it is what it is kind yeah of so like uh Catherine has like a really high pressured really good job that she's like works really hard at and Morgan does too, like she works really hard at like her full-time job and Morgan also moved out to the middle of the country, so like the middle of the countryside outside of Exeter and I moved to Bristol and all this stuff kind of happened at the same time and I'm so taken up with like the shop and the label and uh, things that... And Catherine's in Latchstring, so she's like got band stuff going on as well. Um, So actually between us like sometimes like your free weekends when you're so busy your free weekends you just want to watch tv at home and it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah and we kind of all appreciate that and i think we're all very much on the same page about it as well yeah that's brilliant and then um like so moving to bristol was that like um was that like out of so was was that to do a record shop somewhere yeah sort of <laughs> yeah yeah so we'd we'd been in Exeter for like five years and we and like the label grew so much in that time and I feel like especially once I started and it was like two of us like most spending most of our time on the label it the label changed quite dramatically and um we we kind of felt like we needed to do something like in Exeter the scene is brilliant but it's close-knit and it's not um it was kind of like uh it got to a point where it's like not that we outgrew it but just we needed more to sustain what we were doing we needed to reach more people and and the idea came up like maybe a year or two before we actually did it, we were say, we were kind of talking between ourselves, like, well, maybe long-term we should move to a bigger city where there's, like, more people and if we can put on, like, gigs there, like, more people will kind of know who we are. And because the label was never really, like, a we're hidden away, it's it's always been, like, a, 
I think that's kind of open to, and it's never always been like Andrew's thing and Andrew does this thing. It's always been like a collaborative effort with trying to bring in as many people as possible. It's like, um, that's always what we've like tried to be. And in Exeter, it was us just going to this office and we had friends visiting and it was brilliant, but it wasn't, uh, I guess we, yeah we just kind of thought we needed to reach more people want it to somehow evolve. we wanted to involve we had absolutely no plan on like we didn't particularly like bristol we didn't know the city at all we knew it from like playing here and coming up for like dead punk gigs and stuff like that um but didn't know the city to live in it and day to day when it's not just like you're there for a gig yeah, and it's yeah. fun and all your friends are there because they've all traveled to it um so we kind of started talking about it and we found this shop space um, and it was just kind of like a, oh, so the contract came off on like three years of us being in the office. And we even talked about opening a shop there because it, it was re- weirdly similar to our shop now in that yeah. it was like two rooms with like doors in between. And we were like, well, maybe we can turn the room that comes in off of the street um, into a shop. And we like wrote business plans for this. We like thought about how we could lay it out. We were really excited about it. And then the renewal came up for the lease and they'd put up the rent so much Uh, that it was just unsustainable. And it was like, okay, well, we can't do that. It's just Exeter's too small a city to, for like the sales that we would need to like keep there by doing like a shop. It's just not worth it. Um, So we moved into, we moved everything into this weird warehouse. We like worked from home for like four months. um, And that was kind of our life for a bit. And then I just, yeah, this, this unit came up um, and I just sent off like an email, just like a out of curiosity, like what is the deal with this like shop unit? And they came back and they were like, oh, someone's taken it, sorry. And I was like, oh, okay, like, no worries, like, forgot about it. And a couple of months later, it was um, the day after Smith Street Band played at the Cavern. Andrew had gone on tour because he was playing in Ship Present and they were doing the tour, so he'd gone off. And I was just at home, I was absolutely hanging, I was so hungover. <laughs> and I got this email come through and it was like, oh, are you still interested in the shop unit? Um it's like it's up for rent again like the people have like cut short their lease and it was like oh this opportunity is like weirdly presented itself like why don't we just go and have a look so I called in sick for work we like went up to Bristol like as soon as we could like the next Monday um looked at this unit really liked it weirdly it's like right close to rough trade where we were walked past last night um went in there we really liked it we uh, got the contract for it. We paid a deposit for it. We paid our first month's rent for it. And, um, we knew a mutual friend who had a business like in the same area. And we just sent off like a, a message on Facebook to them being like, Oh, we, we look, we're, we're going to do this thing in, um, in Bristol in this road. Like what's the road like? Is there is you know what are the sh- what's the area like is there anything we should be like aware of and it just so happened that they live in Falmouth and it just so happened that Matt who's one of the co-owners of the exchange was in Falmouth with them at the time and so she's saying like oh Kay and Andrew are like special subjects going to do the shopping in Bristol they're moving to Bristol and Matt was like 
I want them to open a record shop in the exchange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at this point, like I was away on tour for a week um, driving a band and Andrew was at home. So he went up to Bristol to like talk to the owners and he like, I was like away and he was ringing me being like, I think we should consider it. And I was like, no, we've got this like shop front where it's going to be like amazing. It's going to be like our own thing. I don't want to be in like the green room at the exchange. That's like rubbish idea. It was like, okay, well, like we'll give it a chance. So me and Andrew called him sick for work again, <laughs> went out to <laughs> Bristol for the after for, like, for the day, met with the owners, sat in the green room, talked about like the long-term plans they had for the exchange and how they saw the exchange as being this like, almost like a music community center for Bristol. And <coughs> it just like, it lined up so much with like what we want and what yeah. we like. And it was like, it would be stupid if we didn't do this. Um, so yeah, I had to pull out of this other shop. <laughs> the we... person who owns that shop, like, what's wrong with this shop? <laughs> what's going on? Uh, yeah, it was, um, and that was like, so start to finish, it was like six weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Pretty quick. I was like saying we'd do it to packing up everything in Exeter and like moving to Bristol and opening the shop. Amazing. Mm. And um, yeah, so the shop, um, tell tell the listeners about <laughs> the shop, I guess. Okay. Like, yeah. Well, I guess the label for like, so especially subject for people that don't know the label. Yeah. Um, like, is there like... Um, a type of band like are there records you really like that people that a friend might send and you're like this is amazing but it's not really specialist subject band or is it not like that it's it is like that it's not necessarily what we'd like it to be like um but i think we so we're on like uh we're just working on releases like i think it's catalog numbers like 74 and 75 at the moment so we've got like quite a big back catalog at this point um but it's amazing how many of those people are like repeat bands or repeat people in different bands. And um, we're trying to like push ourselves out of that. We're working with new people and new bands and, and that. But I think naturally you like, you work with who you know you can work with. And if they want to work with you, it's nice like continuing that relationship with them. Um, I think people get it into their heads of like what, we are from the last few years I think people think that we're this like indie punk label who are like when we were doing like Jesus and his judgmental father and fresh and Muncie girls and uh who else and those kinds of records I think that's very much like maybe it's where the label suddenly opened up to a lot more people people got it into our head their heads that that's all we did whereas when you look back at the label it started out because it was like caves arteries above them bangers yeah um snakes uh and like that was a very different scene it was like a scene on its own like, yeah yeah um so it's it's evolved and it's changed and now um i think it's like Broad. I think we're a lot more up for doing broader stuff um, because it's uh, like, you know, good music is good music. And if we're excited about it and we're excited about working with the people and um, that we're happy to do it. But we have turned down stuff because it's like a hardcore record and 
we can't really do that justice there's like better labels that are better suited to um a hardcore band so we would say no or um but not in a no in a we don't want it but in a we we're not the right fit for you but that's not saying that we wouldn't do like a hardcore record in the future and we did like um an attack vipers cd like years ago so it's not Totally out of our remit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm just going to quickly go on my emails and that <laughs> get them uh, back. Um, yeah. And then, um, yes. And then, so like, that's like the label. Mm. And then obviously the distro then turning into a record label. Uh, yeah. So the distro started off with these trades, as I said, and then we started getting in like bits and bobs. And then now it's, now that Rory is helping us with the shop, we've expanded. Like we have lots of used records. Um, we have loads of cassette tapes. Um, we have like a huge range of like zines and pin badges and tote bags. It's like I can't, I never wanted to. I was saying to you earlier that I like I don't like record shops and <laughs> I'm like, but I think going into that, I was very mindful of things like um, one like not particularly collecting records like I'm not a record collector I own some records that I absolutely love but I'm not like a crate digger looking yeah. for a bargain trying to make my collection huge um also being like a woman and uh things that like just little things like um Andrew getting it into his head that he wants to put like another like row of records like somewhere in the shop and I'm like well actually you that's not accessible like if you're short you can't comfortably look through those so you're like making this place naturally for like taller men to browse through and that's not welcoming for like other people to come into the shop and um yeah and I like having things like loads of zines or if you don't buy physical music there's still plenty there that like if you're into DIY or you're into punk or feminism politics like you can still get these things so yeah yeah very mindful of that and and always trying to like expand that and improve it and make it more kind of uh inclusive yeah yeah and staying with that like relatively contemporary punk yeah like the world that you want it to to be in yeah it's funny like when people come in and i'm like it's a contemporary punk shop (laughs) yeah and and trying to explain that to people but yeah i think the oldest stuff is probably like 80s but that 80s will be like descendants and yeah uh, things like it is broader um and i guess there's three of you as well yeah. so like um i guess you all expertise all of your punk expertise quote unquote is like different I don't know the word, but like a different subgenre of yeah, like definitely. Punk. Apart from if you're Rory, who just knows everything, and his <laughs> taste is so broad, and he's so knowledgeable about that. Like, um, yeah, he's like a good person to have on board. But still, generally, like I like to think we each bring different things to it, and um, he's definitely like expanded into stuff like Static Shock and Levita SMU stuff, and it's he's basically buying in all that stuff and and seeking out more labels and we're always looking to like seek out more labels to make it broader and we keep talking about how it would be great to have like more metal in the shop because um the metal scene in bristol is really good and there's really good metal promoters that work at the exchange but none of us know anything about it yeah 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 yeah. so yeah because that's what i think so great is that like um it's 
Yeah, it's it's um like you go in and you know that record's in here because someone in that in the shop is like comes with a tick. I don't know. Yeah. Like you know, um you yeah. might not like it, but the person but someone who works there does like it. Yeah, it is like it's we've tried to keep it like still as curated as as possible, but also like it's amazing, like because we are like a specialized music shop, it's it's really great when people come in and they realize that it's like the shop for them. Like maybe they go to like independent record shops or they go to Rough Trades or they go to HMV and they like, or they go to record fairs and they're going through all this yeah. stuff. And it's like, they do it because they like music, but it's rare that they would pick up a, um, a record from like, really they have to spend the money pre-ordering stuff if they want stuff from like Death Wish or Run for Cover yeah, or stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice when people come into the shop and it clicks that like, this is the record shop for me. This is like what you're not just walking in straight. To, oh, there's the section punk hardcore A to M. <laughs> yeah. and like, okay. Flip through that. Yeah. And then obviously there are those record shops. There's quite a few record shops in Bristol, aren't there? Yeah. So, really some specialist ones, yeah. and some broader. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's, cool like it's funny on things like record store day where you get people coming in just to like just so they've been to all the record shops and <laughs> our section is like it, like you'd have like people go around on record store day with like their families didn't know this but people it's like <laughs> mum, dad brother sister like all of them come in together and you can see it. it's like this weird thing that like it happened a couple of times on record store day where like the mum and dad would kind of like walk in and be like oh it's like it's not really for us and the kids, like these teenage kids, like their eyes would light up and it's oh, like, oh, this is record, like the record shopping I want to do and that I was kind of hoping for. And it like, yeah, definitely like you definitely see that with a few people. Yeah, oh, that's, that's brilliant. Um, and you, like you said earlier, like um, if someone comes in and they ask for us, oh, have you got this? Oh, well, no, we don't really do that. This is what we do. Mm. Next time they're talking to someone about music and they say like, you know, over the water cooler yeah <laughs> like, oh this is the kind of stuff i'm like oh well have you checked out yeah uh, um yeah you're talking about the guilt of going into record shops and not buying anything or going into like independent shops and not buying anything and yeah i it just i didn't even know that was a thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad that um yeah I've, I've, i'll feel less um uneasy about it next yeah. time yeah 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 and then um yeah so how long it is it that you've been at the exchange now? Uh, it's 18 months now. So, yeah. And they've taken, like, a change as well because at Christmas they became, or, like, since the 1st of January, they're now a, like, community-owned venue. So um, that would hopefully, like, that's going to change and grow and evolve over, like, the next couple of years. They've got, like, loads of plans. But luckily we're part of it. Um yeah, yeah it's I should been, be back to that shop front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we like begging them, please take us back. Um, yeah, it's like a nice group of people there. Like, um, it's it's just like a classic music venue of like the people working there are in bands or they put on shows or they run labels or they have things going on and yeah. um, which is I guess people are like drawn to that because it's flexible and also why else would you put up with running like club nights or whatever, um, work in the bar on a club night or sit standing on the door. But uh, yeah, we've made like a lot of lot of friends through the exchange. Yeah, and um, for me as, as an outsider, so you might say actually I, I don't agree, but like um, Bristol for 
a lot of years. Like it's always had like brilliant shows. Yeah. And it's always, yeah, like tours have always gone through Bristol. But I remember like, obviously I think it always comes peaks and troughs. But like there'd be times where like I'd look at the flyers for a Bristol show mm. and I'd be like, oh, where are the like, uh, like, you know, because I love looking at flyer and I'm like, oh, check that band out because they're playing that show. Maybe yeah. they sound a bit like that. And there wouldn't always be like, um, or like even when I've played in Bristol, it's like a struggle for like a local band. Mm. But there seems to be, um, and obviously I'm not saying there wasn't local bands because yeah. that's not fair on the bands that there were. But like, you know, some of them, like obviously you had like caves and like, but they were always touring that yeah. they were doing that thing and they pick, pick and chose the, the, the shows and mm. you know there were there were in our other bands but it seems like it's in a really good spot for like local like a really few local local bands yeah moment. it's definitely cool at the moment like um that was a, a thing we saw in exeter was um we were at like a meal once and we got talking afterwards and it was like a, a group of like I don't know, six, seven people. And we got into a conversation of who's in a hypothetical band with who. And everyone was like, well, I'm in a band with this person and this person. I'm in a band with this person, this person, this person. And it was like, all of us were in like, I don't know, probably like 20 bands between like the six people, but no one had actually had a band practice. No one had written any songs. And um, it was like, and I think the back of it was, Exeter used to have a really brilliant um, practice rooms where people would like share a space or there were like lots of options for bands to be in band like to start bands together and then the main one closed and then there was one that was like shared between a few people and um that stopped and it was it was hard to be a band like Young Adventurers were only a band really because we could practice in my office and it was like super easy to do that um and I was in like another band and that was only because we could practice in my office and that. And and Bristol is different because it has like, because it's a big city, it has lots of um, like rehearsal spaces. Um, there's lots of venues. Um, like Exeter's very lucky to have the cavern and like, but gigs don't really happen in other places. So there's only like one gig happening at a time. Whereas in Bristol on any given night, like last night there was, probably three gigs we could have chosen to yeah. go to um there's because it's a big city it's got a big population it has a a broad scene um and there's lots of promoters um so i think just with that you get inspired to want to be in bands and you you meet lots of people and it's easy to find a practice space yeah. and, to, and to do that um and then there's things like eat up for starters who eat up's like a collective that started a year ago and um they're based out of the exchange like um every other month they put on like a queer-led woman-led um gig and club night and they've had like loads of different people playing and just before christmas they started eat up for starters which is it was kind of an amalgamation of first timers in london and school of frock in exeter okay. so we started off with like a school of frock style workshop um for a day which was like such an incredible experience to like yeah. be part of it was so fun um with like that night instead of just having one band of four people we had four drummers we had like five bassists we had four guitarists we had like three people singing and it was just like yeah amazing so good um and then after that they did like a program of workshops they like, did a couple on drums a couple on bass a couple on 
rhythm guitar, a couple on lead guitar, a couple on um, vocal writing. Uh, tomorrow is like a pedal workshop happening um, and a singing workshop. And then on the 9th of March is like the kind of first timers event of like yeah. uh, the showcase of it. Um, and I think that like inspires a lot of people because even if you're not involved in that, as soon as there's just like murmurings of people playing together, I think that's very like catching. It's very yeah. like um, exciting and like makes you want to start something new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes, yeah, circle, isn't it? Mm of inspiration i guess yeah definitely and like and i think people like rory moving to bristol like he puts on very different gigs to other people other promoters like you've got brilliant promoters like dead punk who are like mainly out of the exchange but they put on gigs across bristol and they're always like they're very aware of the makeup of those gigs and if they can take an opportunity to have like a smaller band open or a band with a minority open, they'll do that. Um, and then there's other promoters who are perhaps doing like smaller gigs, but they'll take a chance on like a band they've never even heard of before. Yeah. And that's how you get bands like Slag Heap kind of coming into the fold and like playing like loads of gigs and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like Rory was saying, he'd never heard this band, but he asked them to play and then yeah. turned up and saw them the show before, like their first show. Yeah. His being the second one. It's like, wow, this is this is this is great. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like it's it's so cool being able to like see that. And bands like um Dog Eyed, which is Harriet who runs the coffee shop in the exchange, um, we saw her play solo like pretty much like the day after we moved to Bristol. Yeah. And me and Andrew really liked it. And we'd only met her from turning up at the exchange to like measure the room and decide what we were doing and she'd always like say hi to us and yeah. was always really friendly but we didn't know her and then we saw her play solo and just kind of put the thing like the feelers out and we're like if you ever want to do anything like we'd love to like <laughs> do something and then that turned into her getting like tim and minty to form like a band and we did the ep and um yeah it's like brilliant working with those people and only met them because of the exchange yeah yeah amazing um i think that's probably like the perfect place to really <laughs> draw the draw the line but yeah. um yeah what do, where do you see like the year like what's exciting for you um i i feel like we're in a i'm really positive about the label at the moment um i think last year was quite hard because it was our first full year in the shop we did things like record store day for the first time ever um, we moved house, which was really stressful and really long. Um, and it was, we didn't do as many releases as we would have liked to. And, and just like last year was quite hard. I was feeling quite down. And then this year we're like really excited about the year, really excited about like the bands that we're working with and, and stuff that we've got going on. So I'm kind of hoping that like that just builds on that. Like, yeah that more bands start that we get to work with new people that we get to kind of keep keep building i yeah i'm hoping that this is like a, a year of like positive change forward amazing brilliant well thank you for the conversation <laughs> thanks for and, asking um, me to be on yeah thank you for having me and um yeah cheers cool wow so there you go there was my conversation with Kay. i hope you enjoyed it um, check out the label um, this is a song that she has picked which is coming out on special subjects soon and it's by Witching Waves peace peace